For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is happening, gang? We are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pulling, and we have got an action-packed show for you today. In today's episode, we get Bill's breakdown on the wildcard weekend that was some of the controversies. We get to hear Bill's thoughts around the controversial whistleblow in Cincinnati and what he thought about how the Cowboys handled that last-second drive down in Big D. And then we're going to spend the second half of the show diving into the divisional rounds. There's a lot of really interesting matchups this week on the show from the sort of heavyweight battle in Kansas City and Buffalo. Is Cincinnati a really live underdog in Tennessee? Does San Francisco have a real shot in Green Bay? And then ultimately, what does the Rams and the Bucks game boil down to? Will it come down to who's better in the trenches? This is a really interesting divisional round, and you definitely want to get all of Bill's thoughts on this weekend's action. Before we dive into today's show, I want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors in the pod, Bet Online. BetOnline would like to wish a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, gang, this is our look at the divisional round on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. Here we go. All right, what is happening, gang? We're on the heels of an interesting wild card weekend where the the point differential in the games was a whopping 17.2 points per game. It was a fun wild card weekend, but I'm excited for the divisional round. So we are locked and loaded today. Did everybody have a good weekend? And how much snow and ice is everyone dealing with? I haven't been out of this house for 10 days, and I'm about to lose it. Well, too much for me. Uh, I haven't been out in, in, in uh, other than to just drive to the store for the last, for about a week. So uh, that's way too much for North Carolina. I was going to say, that's a lot for Charlotte. Uh, Baltimore was heavy, but uh, uh, the, it, it got hot pretty quickly or at least warm pretty quickly. So uh, we're doing okay. I think compared to the two of you, uh, I, I am uh, tropical. Yes, and for Virginia blue blood country outside of Charlottesville, we are not used to this in the least. <laughs> Scott, you're, where you live, you're supposed to have horses, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I think if if I need to get to the office tomorrow, horse is uh, probably my best bet. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Divisional round. I think we might have said Tennessee would be that 430 slot game. I feel like we had the Karnak on that one. Where are we starting this week in our breakdown of the divisional matchup? Well, where would you like to start? I've got everything. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's Bill. Let's at least get Bill's comments on what happened over the weekend. A oh little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. Well, pretty simple. The lower seeds went out, just yeah. as we predicted they would. Uh, the seven seeds did exactly what we thought they would do. Nothing. Right. Right. And uh, and and now uh, you you got a situation where the um, the teams are closer uh, in. in in both style and substance and now matchups and health come to the fore. That's the bottom line. Uh, how, how do the teams match up and who's healthy? And as we speak today, we, we don't have any real uh, uh, information on health and, and probably won't until late in the week, but because uh, everybody will be questionable, but that's the, that's the key. So, you tell me where you'd like to start. And uh... one quick question I had sort of about the games over the weekend. So I feel like we have to touch it because it's sort of we do. by, by law at this point. So 
my interest was in sort of a comment Coach Cower had said on the CBS post-game show after the Bengals game. Is audio, so in that scenario on the Joe Burrow play where the whistle seemingly blows before the catch is made. Uh, wait, you don't have to say seemingly. Okay. The whistle blew. Well, this is the thing that I didn't know, but usually there is some sort of a frame delay on the audio and the video sync. So part of me is wondering, one, how does audio factor into that replay? Is that something that they can review? And is that something where sort of in the weirdness of how video works on television, where like, say, the audio could be off by three, four, five frames per video in that instance, because it was so close, could the league's response actually be right that the whistle was blown after the catch? It's entirely possible. It is not as implausible as some of the uh, faux officiating supervisors and commissioners on the internet uh, are making it sound. Um, you do, we do not, generally speaking, and have not, in my experience, ever uh, officiated a, a replay using audio. And now there's nothing in the rule that says you can or can't, but uh, it's never been done for the reasons that you mentioned. That people have to understand that technology is not, when it comes to sports, is not omnipotent. Right. Right. But it, it, there are glitches. Right. Houston, we got a problem. You know what? There are problems every week with audio. And video, so uh, we do generally, and in, 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 in fact, never in my experience, um, and there have been many plays like this, ever officiated uh, via television audio because, as you correctly explained, it could be off and wrong. Um, there is a delay. Uh, I'm sure fans don't. I'm sure the vast majority of fans don't know this. One reason you can't make prop bets is because there's a delay between the time that the play actually happens in real time and what you see on your television set. And if the gamblers could, could, you know, could get hold of that, they'd make a fortune. Uh, that's like uh, what happens on the stuff, what Michael uh, Lewis has alleged happened in the stock market. Right. Exactly. So, uh, Bill, the only thing here is that, that I think, uh, and we, uh, we're not going back to the Zapruder film here, but there seemed to me to be real life evidence when, as it happened, the, the, the other team stops and looks in the direction of where the whistle came from. I mean, there was evidence that the players heard it and reacted in real time, aside from uh, issues with the replays. I, well, first of all, I, I would not... Um base a replay review and you can't base a replay review on uh, how the players reacted that's number one um it, it because it was called a touchdown it is reviewed so let's start there they are all, all right. are right yeah yeah they reviewed it so it was clear that burrow was not out of bounds um so it was a touchdown so now we get into the, the question of the inadvertent whistle the officials on the field said that the whistle, they, they believe the whistle had been blown after the, after the uh, catch had been made. And, and that's all you can go by. Um, and, and you would not review the whistle. The technology doesn't exist to confirm the, the whistle right now. I mean, it, it, as far as I know, it doesn't uh, exist. It doesn't exist. No. And you're in it. You're up to your, uh, forehead in the tech world, right? Yeah, and, uh, no. Scott, and it, it doesn't. I don't think it exists. Well, this is where when we were watching it, what my instinct was was that the sync of the video and audio was probably off by maybe four or five frames. Because in the video universe, you don't think in seconds; you think in twenty-four frames per second. Right. So if that's off right. by four or five frames at the moment where the ball gets to Boyd it could plausibly be at the same moment, the Raider defender kind of slowed up maybe because he saw the catch was being made and couldn't defend the ball versus him hearing the whistle and inadvertently looking to the left. That was my only thought. 
And then, okay, and if you want to go there, I'll ask you because, of course, Bill's and you are both right about this. Yeah. But did you not see unusually? Didn't you think people look? I mean, it was like there's a brutal film. They looked to the grassy knoll. They looked back towards the official. In that instance, to me, I thought the Raiders defender was stopping because he knew he couldn't make a play on the ball. I didn't actually see him turn to the left. I saw opposite defenders on the other end beginning to turn to look at the official. But I think it's one of those bang-bang things where it may have been on contact, where the ball hit his hands, whistle's blown, and the whistle might have been a little early, but I think TV may have exaggerated the problem. But I think the league's done a weird job explaining this this week. Okay, Bill, Bill, let me go Let me go to the other quote-unquote controversial one. Let's go to the Dallas game at the end. I, you, have, you have told our audience, you have told me personally for years, you have discussed this, you know, that at the, when a, a game is tight like that at the end, in the previous play, when you make the play, you designate a guy to pick up the ball and hand it to the official. You've also talked about people having enough situational awareness to know how, how what they should do to allow themselves to pull off a final play. How, you know, how, how are they not trained like that in Dallas to do that? And how did Dak have so little sense of time on the clock that the, the trailing ref who was doing his job exactly as he should had to fight his way through a crowd, grab the ball away from them. Well, Let's start with the fact that what happened is entirely on the Cowboys. It has nothing to do with the officials. Right. Um, that's point one. Point two, Coach Levy taught me many years ago, and I've had this confirmed by many other coaches that I've both worked with and talked with, that you can't do anything, be it a field goal, a Hail Mary, under six seconds. Six seconds is the magic number. So you, Mr. Quarterback, and you, Mr. Play Caller, and you, Mr. Head Coach, must remind everybody in practice, every time you practice two minutes, which is usually three times a week, at minimum two, that on the last play of the game, we're going to leave six seconds on the clock. We're going to go no lower than that. That's the magic number. That's the dividing line. So... um, If, as Coach McCarthy said, they wanted to throw four verticals, not a Hail Mary, four verticals uh, from into the end zone, they would have needed six seconds on the clock when they snapped the ball to do that, safely to do that. All right. They didn't have that because the play got in too late. I'm not crazy about the play call because I think he could have gotten the very same, uh, the very same number of yards necessary to set up the four verticals uh, by just throwing a check down, which would have been very readily available. But that's that's neither here nor there. But also, and Bill, they also had plenty of time to think about it because San Francisco had called timeout. Called a timeout, obviously. That's correct. To, to make the right call. Yeah. So now Romo decides to run the quarterback. Dak. Draw. Dak. Dak. Uh, Dak. I'm sorry, Dak. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. Romo wished he was running the uh, sneak uh, from the booth. He wished he could run like that. <laughs> they, they, uh, they, Dak runs the quarterback draw, and now he had to be coached, and he had to understand that the minute he hits the ground and slides, he comes up and looks for the nearest official, the nearest official, because there will be two wing officials to his right and left who are, who are spotting the line to gain where he is. So he turns to either his right or left, looks for that guy, and hands him, not flips him, because the guy could drop it if you flip it, hands him the ball. That guy is running toward the ball. That wing official is running toward the ball. That's what he's supposed to do. You turn, you hand it to him, and he spots the ball. And he's going to spot it in enough time. He's going to delay enough for the umpire to get from where he was behind the play to his position when the ball is snapped. The umpire should never have been involved in spotting that ball. It should have been a wing official who did it. Turn to him, hand him the ball. We practiced that. 
every single time we did two minutes in Indianapolis and in Buffalo. And I can, I can, someone asked me about it yesterday. And I said, there was a chorus of people, including myself, when the play ended, I'm serious, during two minutes, who would say, find the nearest official, hand the ball to the official, hand the ball to the official. There were 20 coaches and 10 staff members yelling to the quarterback, hand the ball to the official, hand the ball to the official. Tony didn't do it. He handed it to the center. I'm sorry. I keep blaming Tony. <laughs> Dak didn't do it. He handed it to the center. Yeah, his own guy. <laughs> you could have called an illegal snap and nullified the whole thing. Yeah. So it was really, it was really all on the Cowboys. And and I, I presume that Dak just kind of lost his train of thought. Maybe he hadn't practiced enough. I'm sure they use officials at practice. Maybe he hadn't done it enough. Who knows? I don't know. But it's all on them. It's not on the officials. Now, one follow-on, actually two follow-ons, because we've talked about the uh, Cincinnati play. Uh, the competition committee will look at both plays. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if a couple of people on the competition committee want to talk about whether or not we ought to move the, the umpire back into his old alignment in behind uh, behind the defensive line during two minutes might be it's certainly worth talking about now there may be unintended consequences that I'm not thinking about now but it's certainly worth talking about I, I mean didn't they put him back there because they thought he could spot certain no no he was put there for safety purposes oh, only for safety so he should yeah, still because, be able to do it from the other side okay yeah the, the, the reason he's back in the backfield now is because the West Welkers of the world were using him as a pick on, right. on, on, the, on, on, the, on the shallow crossing routes. Mm -hmm. So uh, they moved him back into the backfield for safety for purposes. We had a couple of concussions among officials. But in two minutes, uh, they're very rarely running shallow crosses. It's almost always check downs. And, and so, you know, you, you, you probably can put it, you be, feel pretty good about not uh, running a risk of injury during two minutes. So um, it's worth considering, and I'm sure they will. So, Bill, strategy-wise, like just strictly from a football strategy, would you prefer to have one play from the 20, or let's say the 21, or two or three plays into the end zone from the 41 in that situation? Well, if you're going to run four verticals, I'd take the one play from the – I'd take it from the, the, the 25. I mean, he could have gone down on the 25. You still, he, he can, he can throw a 25 yard pass yeah. or a 27 yard pass, you know? Yeah. It, you know, if you're going to run, if you think four verticals against whatever the Cowboys do in that situation is the right call, then he could have done it from the, from the 25 very easily. You know, from, if you're back on, on the, on the 40, then you you'd probably like as many shots at the hail mary as you could get. Yeah, see that's to me, and this is obviously stupid fan time. I would rather in that scenario have taken three because with 14 seconds they probably could have gotten three shots into the end zone from second and one, and you know see what happens versus running a risky play that you know you're only going to have one chance to effectively run a play either from the 20 to the 25. To me, I'd rather have the three chances from the 40. Well, the the, the the math is six seconds per play. Right. That, 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 that's, that, that's the basic math. So if you have 14 seconds left, you got you got two plays. Well, you could get three because if you get 12 seconds and then you got two left for the for a last minute throw. But you don't you don't you don't think that way. You, okay. you think in terms of here's what it takes to be by the time they spot the ball and blah, 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 all that stuff. Six seconds is 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 basically what it takes to run a play in in a hurry up situation. So you have two plays and maybe a little breathing space. Okay, I mean that's the way you think about it. But with respect to this particular play, there is no way running a draw. I don't care where he goes down, that you're going to get to that magic six second moment before you throw the hail mary. You're cutting it way too close, way too close. As we saw. Yep. Yeah. Well, we learned a valuable lesson this weekend. Find the official. And put Tony Romo back in the booth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, let's let's go to the future. We've got four exciting games this weekend. But why don't we go linear this week? Let's start with Cincinnati, Tennessee, and we'll work our way through the television dais. Okay, here we go. Let me just get to my notes here. We will find the Cincinnati Bengals. No longer the Bungles, that's for sure. That's for sure. And a pretty cool gesture by the team, giving away uh, game balls to the fans after the game. That was kind of fun. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a, it's been a long drought there. It's been a very long drought yeah, there. That's true. The key matchup here is the Cincinnati offensive line versus Tennessee's defensive line. And Tennessee's defensive front is pretty salty. They have Landry, who is a very, very, very solid player. And um, and they have uh, the guy they picked up from Pittsburgh, Bud Dupree, in free agency. And they have Jeffrey Simmons, who's a load inside. So uh, and, and they and they can they can kick the Nico Autry inside. So this is a pretty fearsome rush. And if you get a, a, a good rush on Joe Burrow or any quarterback, they're going to they're going to be in a position where sometimes you get them to get the ball out of there early and not not accurately. And if that happens, Kevin Bayard is a big time ball hawk in the back. So that's the critical matchup for the Bengals, because in the end, this is Joe Burrow's train to drive. And, and he's the engineer and that I don't know that you can cover that group, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler board, particularly Jamar, uh, uh, Jamar Chase, excuse me. And Uzama when they're in, when they're in passing situations with, you know, basic man to man coverage, I'm not sure that Tennessee matches up with them. If, if you get in a situation where it's attractive, and Tennessee does not want to track me. So um, that's the key matchup for uh, Cincinnati offense versus Tennessee defense. On the other side of the coin, Tennessee offense, if they have uh, Derrick Henry back and they have the young man from Texas, Foreman back. Who Derrick Henry somehow looks like he got bigger during the, uh, during the rehab. Of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah. He didn't run at all. He lifted. <laughs> yeah. In his effort to be even more frightening, he, uh, Bill, not, not that, not that you can generalize, but, um, is running back a position, you know, as opposed to wide receiver or, you know, you haven't, if you really haven't, uh, been able to run fully. I mean, it, how likely is he to be back and be Derek Henry at this point after that kind of a layoff? Not, not likely. He's not likely back at, at, you know, hundred percent yet. Um, but he's, he's still, you still have to honor him mm -hmm. and he, and he still can run over people. I'm not sure he'll be able to run away from him. Like, like he did when he was hundred percent healthy, but he can still run over him. And, and the backup that John Robinson unearthed in the unemployment line has been terrific. So they can go away and they can bang away to their heart's content. Now, they have decent wide receivers. A.J. Brown is, 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 is really, a, you know, pretty nice receiver. Ferkser is, is, is okay. Uh, it's not a bad receiving core, but the bottom line is they got to run the ball because their offensive line is built to run the ball. If they can't run the ball, it's hard for them to win in a track meet, in a passing game because a lot of what they do is play action. So if you, if you flop it over to the other side, can that off Tennessee offensive line, which is built to block the run, hold up against Hendrickson, Hubbard, Ogunjobi, Reader, and company? I think Ogunjobi's out, I think. Is he out? Okay. Yeah, he, yeah, he got hurt last week. I know he got hurt. I, I didn't realize he was out. Hendrickson's on the bubble, yeah. Yeah, I think he'll so play. If if everybody plays in the playoffs, if you can play, yeah, he's you know he's there, there's no there's no yeah. tomorrow. Um, so if Cincinnati can generate pass rush and they can stop the run or keep it intact, then 
big edge Cincinnati because Tennessee's offensive line is not built to pass protect. And, and that's the bottom line. Um, Cincinnati's secondary, Jesse Bates is outstanding. Uh, Von Bell is okay. The corners are, are reasonably good. So, and the linebackers are, are, you know, Logan Wilson and Pratt are, are, are really good. So, um, you know, uh, the, the bottom line is, can Cincinnati rush the passer and stop the run? If they, if they can stop the run, they will rush the passer, and that's to their advantage. Now, kicking game, it, it, this is in Tennessee, so the weather will be probably acceptable. Who knows? It won't be great, but it'll be acceptable. And so then it's just a question of, you know, who's better in the clutch. Cincinnati's guy's been pretty good, uh, actually. So He's been money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it could, it very well could come down to that. That's what happens in the, in the playoffs. And guaranteed that special teams always plays a role, whether it's, uh, God forgive me, the, uh, the Music City Miracle right. uh, <laughs> or, or, or any other special teams play. It's, it's going to come into play. And I don't think the two teams played during the season, did they? They did not. No. They did not. No, no yeah. they did not. So this is, uh, this is, this, this is a matchup that, that there will be no, no uh, advantage in terms of knowing the personnel and things like that. What's your take uh, you know, on the maturation and improvement that, that, that Joe Burrow has demonstrated this year. I mean, I know we we all had some doubts about him, but what, what do you think? I mean, he really to me he looks like the real thing for sure now. Uh, I didn't have any doubts about him coming out. I you know, and he's been he was great last year until he got hurt. Okay, and 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 you know, the question is, can they protect him? Uh, this this past year, you know, this past season, he's been great, and and he, and he was terrific last week. So. I mean, he's the he's the man. There's no yeah. there's no doubt about that. So, uh, and, and with and with his with his with his boy with him there, yeah, from LSU. Woo, man, that's tough. We haven't seen them lose a uh, postseason game yet, so it'll be uh, either in college or in the pros. <laughs> I mean, what's in, what's interesting is for a lower seed, Cincinnati has more ways to probably win this game than Tennessee does. Don't you think? That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Cincinnati can run win running it. If they have to now, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not ideal for them, but they can, they can run the ball and, and, and win. Uh, Joe Mixon is a really outstanding back. Um, so they, they can do that without a doubt. Um, and their offensive line is pretty good. Um, but they make their money obviously in the, in the passing game. And Jamar Chase is, uh, you know, would have been, if they pick four wide receivers on the all pro team, he would have been the fourth. And a lot of people had him as the third, actually. Uh, so, uh, you know, there should just be a special category for Debo. Yeah, well, that's right. What is he? It should just be the scariest dude on the field category for Debo. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the uh, 2012 Mike Shanahan Bowl as uh, what could have been the greatest coaching staff ever assembled offensively uh, competes against each other in Green Bay. That coaching staff was pretty nuts, wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, it was a good it was a good staff. Yeah, it sure I mean, was. To have LaFleur, LaFleur's brother, McVay and Kyle. It's a lot of offensive uh, talent we let walk out of the Yeah, place. yeah, sure was. Mike had a good take. I talked to him yesterday, as a matter of fact. We were reminiscing about it. I think with the pack, a lot depends on health. Who's healthy in the receiving court? And if Valdez Scantling is out, if Lazard is out, uh, I don't think Adams will be out. He'll play. But without the other two, it's, it's, it's a bit of a struggle for them. Offense and, you know, running the ball, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are dynamite. Uh, the weather will probably be reasonable by Green Bay standards, uh, which means that both guys can can run. The field is electronically heated, so when it when the, the heat coils are on, it gets mushy, which makes it an A.J. Dillon day. Uh, but uh, 
I think that that by and large, uh, they should be okay if the receiving core is healthy. On defense, they have improved a whole heck of a lot. Um, and they're going to get tested this week. Uh, but having said that, uh, as long as they are healthy, and I don't know of anybody that's really uh, that you would say is terribly doubtful, and they have their their rush front, meaning Rashawn Gary can come in there and 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 give people a break and 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 so on. And their linebackers can hold up against the run, then they got a chance because their back end and coverage has been really, really improved this year. Mason Crosby is not himself um, by a long shot, but he's home, and and that should be that should be enough to keep him moving. As we turn to the red and gold, the scarlet and gold, whatever the you know whatever the appropriate color is. Uh, the bottom line, the bottom line is that Aaron is 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 very likely going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be what he always is, even if he's a little bit down in the receiving core. He'll find ways to make plays, although. The health of that worries me because they lost um, their top tight end too. He's gone for the season, so that 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 puts them in in a bit of a bind. But back to the 49ers, that rush front featuring uh, Bosa and Armstead and and so on, and Arden Key, you know, with a lot of with a lot of depth, they can wave. They can you know they can use six guys in there, and a really good linebacking core with Warner and Greenlaw covers up a multitude of corner sins. And I don't think their corners are great. Um, the safeties are, 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 are really good in their bangers. So they got to, they got to whip Green Bay's offensive line. Can they do it? I think so. I think so. I think Green Bay's offensive line is good, but not great. And who knows what their health will be too? They got a couple guys Nick there too, right? But that rush front for for uh, the 49ers is great. On offense, it comes down to Jimmy. Don't give the ball away, Jimmy. Right? You know, just just value the football and hand it to Debo. I think he's going to have to because of because of Aaron on the other side. I mean, they're going to score points. Green Bay's. You could probably take the practice squad receivers and put them out there, and he'd find ways to score at least twenty with them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, is Jimmy threw it forty times the first time they played this year? Yeah. So I mean, you know, again, I know I'm I'm a big Jimmy G defender, uh, in the sense of I'm, I I I support him, not that I'm against him. Um, but, you know, the guy is playing with a bad thumb and, and a bad shoulder. I mean, and it's going to be cold, and that's tough. And he actually has not played very well. I did kind of do, try to do some research. Scott, I should have probably called you to do the research. But he hasn't really done well in cold games in the past, and he's got these two injuries. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a tough day for him. Yeah, certainly if, it, if, it's, if it's Green Bay cold, which is, you know, got you in the – it's gonna be. Uh, it's, it'll probably be a kickoff, mid-teens, maybe a little bit of snow. Yeah, by Green Bay standards, that's not okay. Bad. Yeah, it's not. It, it's not. It's not great for Jimmy. You know, snow is not great. Uh, but having said that, all he's got to really do is protect the ball. All he's got to really do is protect the ball because the tight end is great, George Kittle. The, the, the stable of running backs are great. And they're going to get one of the guys back this week. Juszczyk is 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 darn good. The offensive line is certainly passable given what they do in the run game. And and Debo is a you know he's a multi talented, multifaceted weapon. So I, I think you know all Jimmy has to do 
is not give the ball away, and they have a heck of a chance to win. Now, if they turn the ball over, or if they if the if the pack can protect Aaron enough for and the, and the receivers are healthy enough, their receivers are a mismatch against uh, with respect to uh, to the secondary. Of, of the 49ers. That's the 49ers defense, Achilles heel, if you will. So if Green Bay can protect, they'll move the ball and score points. But if they can't, it'll be a long day because San Francisco's front is, is, is really good. And I'm not so sure that Green Bay can run the ball against San Francisco either. So if they score those points, that kind of puts to your question, Scott, then Jimmy has to throw more to try and make more points, and then yep. the risk ratio goes up. To me, this is the this is the three year referendum game. For three years, we've thought, can Green Bay stop the run in the playoffs? They're playing a team that can manhandle them and run, and then can Jimmy protect the football? Whichever one of those things happens well is said. probably going to be the winner. Because I mean, if well you look said. at it, game early this season, San Francisco had Green Bay dead to rights. They're up 28 27 with 37 seconds. Even with Jimmy having two turnovers in that game, and they had him kind of where they wanted him. Aaron has an Aaron moment. They kick a field goal. Mason Crosby hits a 51 year old field goal. But I mean, this is the referendum game. Can they stop the yeah. run? Will Jimmy turn it over? A lot of good games. This is a fun one, though, because this is this is You're like right. in in I know we don't do stories, but this is narrative because we've we've seen this movie for three years and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it sure will be. Uh, Sunday, we turn to uh, the L.A. Rams at Tampa Bay. And let's first say, please don't get all excited about Buffalo and the Rams blowing away inferior teams who really weren't interested in playing very much after the first quarter. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not it. I think that was, that's a kind way of putting it. <laughs> that's what happened. In, in, in New England's case, that was a tired, beaten-up football team that just said no mas after, after the first quarter. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Micah Hyde as a human missile going into the end zone with that interception was the Mike Tyson knockout punch that was like, we don't want to be here anymore. Indeed. Indeed. It was, they, they, that was no mas after that. Yeah, it and, was. And, uh, and, and, and uh, Arizona wasn't much better. Uh, you know, they, they, the quarterback was off the air. They didn't protect. And the Rams just took the ball and rammed it right down their throats. So this game is not going to be that way. First of all, if, and this is a big if, the Bucks are healthy on the, uh, on the defensive front seven, meaning the linebackers are there, Levante David's there, White is there. And all of the guys on the front are there. They ain't running the ball like uh, no, <laughs> like they ran it. <laughs> I no. don't think uh, it's a much closer game. It's a much closer game, and 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 so uh, now what comes into play is pass protection and pass rush. Uh, the Rams' offensive line remains their Achilles heel. The left guard is a is a mismatch against virtually every week. Um, there are others on that on, on that front that are not stellar. So that's a that's a rough matchup for the Rams, both run and pass, against what might be, you know, the biggest toughest front in, in the NFL. Yeah, Tampa Bay's yeah. Really, the front seven's really good. Frightening. Yeah, so huge. They got to establish the run, and they got to protect uh, the passer. They got to protect Stafford. And the good news is that the running backs are healthy, so you know they they can get after it pretty good. And and they need to try. They can't abandon the run. They got to keep Tampa Bay honest. Um, now. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, Tampa Bay's offensive line appears to be in pretty good health. Uh, of course, they're all banged up in the receiver department. 
Um, but that, as long as Tom has Gronk and one other receiver, Evans. They'll be okay. Uh, they'll be okay. They'll be competitive. It, it, they might not have enough when it's all said and done if they have to come from behind uh, because they lost the second wide receiver who I don't know if he'll play, who replaced A.B., um, so they might not have enough if they have to come from behind. Uh, and, and, but having said that, um, they can, if, if they protect Tom, they're going to, they're going to move the football and they can run it. They can run it. The problem is, um, how do you run it against the Rams defense? I mean, that's, that's hard to do, man. That is hard to do That Ram. The difference is Von Miller. Yeah. The Rams defense is playing better now than it's played all year. And it's going to be tough with a depleted receiving core for the, uh, for the Bucks to throw the ball because you're likely to get Ramsey matched up with Evans. And, and because they, they will travel in certain situations. And, uh, and, and so um, if, if that's the case, then now who takes Gronk? Right. In, in, in Nichols situations, it could be Ramsey. Keep your eye on that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, Ryan Jensen's out though, isn't he Scott? No, Jensen, Jensen's a full He's go. Back. Jensen's yeah, no, Jensen goal. came back in the game. The, the issue oh, that's is right. That's right. Werfs is the one that's a little nick. It's Werfs, yeah. Werfs yeah. is the problem. Werfs is the problem. Von Miller is Von Miller is the key. Yeah. He, he's given them a, a third rusher. So now you've got Superman, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and uh and Leonard Floyd. That's a tough matchup when you're missing your best right tackle and think about Kansas city in last year's super bowl. They lost the two tackles. They were non-competitive really when it comes well, it all comes down to it. So that loss in a, in a, in a pretty evenly matched game may make, may make the difference. The biggest question is how does Stafford play against a really, really good defense because I think they're going to eliminate the run or at least keep it within uh, intact. You know, they're going to keep it under control and make Stafford beat them. Bill, you got to think Tampa's going to play it probably differently than we've seen them play all year. I mean, this could be two or three tight ends, you know, maybe a lot if playoff Larry's healthy, but if not, probably Vaughn, probably Bernard, probably Bell, a lot more running than you've seen Tampa do all season. You would think. You would think. I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to expose Tom to that to that rush without works. Because he took all. I mean, it was it was the Ryan Kerrigan Fountain of Youth Day in Tampa yeah. this past Sunday. <laughs> but don't forget, you know, Bruce is Bruce Arians does what he does. You know, <laughs> now he's not stupid either. He's. I'm sure they're going to try and run the ball. Yeah, and 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 get control of the game that way, and get some play action going, so they don't expose Tom to to that front four. But here's the deal: if you can rush with the front four, which which they can, and you've got an exposed weakness, which means that, uh, like you said, two tight ends, Gronk becomes a slot, and and the other tight end, which would have to be the Alabama kid, because Cameron Great's not a blocker. Yeah, they, they, they'd have to, you know essentially double whoever is, is on Worf's side. So typically that's Floyd. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, uh, you know, the Rams can move him around. And once you, once you commit to doubles, now you open yourself up to, to blitzing situations. Although I don't know that I want to blitz Tom. I, I think, I think I want to, you got a weak sister over there on the, on, on the right side, take advantage of it. Yeah, but it's a good example, Bill. How you, when you, your overall comment, uh, injuries and matchups, injuries and matchups. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what from here on in, it's injuries and matchups. But this game could be way more low scoring than I think people are thinking. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, it could. Sure, sure. 
Absolutely it could because both teams are going to try and run the ball for, for different reasons. And, and, you know, it could turn into one of those, you know, 21 to 17 games. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my tingle. I doubt that. I doubt that it'll be a track meet because I don't know that with the receiving core Tampa has now because of the injuries with their, with their normal receiving core, whole different case, but not, they're not there. So, you know, can they get, do they want to get in a track meet? And I don't think so. <laughs> You know, as good as Tom is at 44 or however old he is, I don't think they want to expose him to that kind of rush. And in that case, you know, with Tom, the ball's coming out now. Early. Yeah. Hello, Gio Venard. Get ready for a big work day. Sleep a lot this week. <laughs> That's right. yeah. And Tyler Johnson better run his routes fully or Tom's going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. We turn to the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. Here we go. And as I said at the outset of the show, do not, as much as I love the Buffalo Bills, and I'm a proud alumnus and friends with all the people there, do not get fooled by the victory over New England. That was a TKO in the sixth round. And uh, and it wasn't even they, – they were – it was close to a TKO in the fourth round. That's true. They almost, they almost stayed on their stool in the fourth round. <laughs> that's exactly right. So um, uh, that's not a good barometer. And, you know, the fans all get excited. Oh, they put, they darn near put 50 on them and they almost broke our record of 51 and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -mm. That That's, you know, that just happens. It happens and it, but that's not a good measure of the team. So, um, you know, Beasley, I presume, will be back. Uh, Sanders is a good backup for him, but you'd rather have Beasley because he has uh, lots of chemistry with Josh Allen. Um, Singletary ran last week like he hasn't run in about 10 weeks yeah. because the opposition really wasn't there. Um, if he can do that against Kansas City, whoopee, you know, array, right? But not likely, not likely, because Kansas City's defense against the run has improved greatly, uh, which means that Josh has to be the principal, the principal runner, uh, and the guy that drives the offense with his with his arm, um, and the offensive line in dropback situations, really has to protect them. Now, the good news is that Kansas City's rush, front four rush, is better than it was, but it's not great. It's not like the Rams. Right. It's not like some of these other teams. So if the offensive line can hold up in pass protection, Spencer Brown and company, uh, who's done a good job, by the way, um, then – I think they got a heck of a chance. The guy that 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 really has a chance to be good and and is has been improving week to week is Dawson Knox, and he's got some chemistry with Josh as well. Um, I presume that Spags, the defensive uh, coach Spagnola, the defensive coordinator of Kansas City, will take Diggs away. I think he'll take Diggs away in almost every situation. So Josh is going to have to be on his toes, recognizing the coverage. And that means that Dawson Knox and Beasley become even more important because, and they do have great chemistry with it. So um, this is, I, I would say that I'd make Buffalo offense versus Kansas city's defense, a slight favor. Now on defense, as good as Buffalo is, this is a tall order, but it's no different than the Super Bowl. You got to take away Kelsey and you got to take away 10. Period. If the other guys beat you, God bless you. Right. God bless them. You know, you, you just have to find ways to do that. And they will. They will. Leslie Fraser is a hell of a coach. So is Sean, the head coach. Um, they will take it away. And Kansas City's offensive line has their hands full with the Bills' rush front. 
Jerry Hughes coming down the home stretch of his career, giving it all he's got. <laughs> and and, and he, he's he's terrific. Um, the two lays back. Oliver will be jacked up. Um, Russo and uh, uh, and Epinesa have played really well. Harrison Phillips has played really well. Um, so this is a deep rush line. So this is the this is the way to control Kansas City's passing game is to keep that that wave going. Keep those eight guys which Buffalo has flowing in and out of there. So you keep keep the keep them all healthy and rested, and and they don't get tired. The hardest thing to do in in pro football, the most fatiguing thing to do in pro football is rushing the pass. Yep. So if you got eight against five, you got a chance to wear them down over the course of the game, and you have a chance to make it hard on the opposing quarterback. And 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 you know you need to keep him in the pocket. Don't let him roam. Um, he'll make some plays, but that I would say slight favorite, uh, slightly favoring on on uh, their rush front versus Kansas City. Slight favor toward Buffalo. Linebackers, Matt Milano has to has to, he's the man. Uh, if he plays and he's and he's healthy, uh, they're a much better defense. Uh, in the secondary, uh, as you know, the two you mentioned before, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, they could have both been all pro safeties. Yep. I mean, they're really having great years. And the corners, uh, the corners are are deep and good. They can match up. Now nobody matches up. With Tyreek, you can match up with Kelsey, and, uh, and and you know one of those two safeties or maybe both will be on him. Probably a linebacker and a safety, and uh, so and Milano and AJ Klein can run with Kelsey. So uh, this is this is an interesting matchup. In, in the end, uh, it may come down to the kicking game. I don't know what the weather in Kansas City is going to be like at this time of year. You can get ice, you can get freezing temperatures, you can get wind uh, blowing really hard. And and I, what, what do we got in the preliminary for? All right, here we go. Uh, the preliminary uh, from your from your meteorology report. It's actually going to be nice uh, at kickoff. So the high on Sunday, believe it or not, is going to be forty five degrees in Kansas City. And clear and clear weather, clear, clear weather, maybe a little cloudy, no precipitation. It's gonna be a good day for football weather wise. Wow, yes, indeed. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And of course, the Bills uh, are used to playing at night, so there's there's no problem there. And uh, as is Kansas City, I don't know how many day games they played actually, <laughs> given the, given yeah. the the amount of time they're on television. I think they played one o'clock games like three times this season. Yes. Yeah. So for their offense, Tyreek Hill has to have a big day. Pringles kind of emerged as the slot. So if he's reliable as the third receiver, Tyreek and Kelsey, of course, being one and two, if Pringles available as the third receiver and functional and, and plays well, they got a chance because Buffalo's nickel is not as strong as their regular alignment in the secondary. Um, in terms of matchups in the front, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is the guy I am going after. There's going to be, he's going to have a long day yeah. <laughs> because his strength is not pass protection. And he's going to go up against some pretty damn good rushers. That's so great. watch out for that one. There's a junior at the end of his name. He's not his father. Baby. <laughs> no, not his, yeah, no, that's right. So, and, and the same with uh, Niang on, on the right. So this is a, that's the, that's the toughest matchup for, for, uh, uh, for uh, Kansas City. And it's a rookie center who's played great, but it's still a rookie in a big game. He's played great. He really has. He has. Um, now, this is the playoffs, but he's handled himself exceptionally well. And, and and he's so big and strong against Oliver, I probably would 
say that that's a mismatch in, in Kansas City's favor. Okay. Ooh. The two tackles versus whomever's out there for Buffalo at the defensive ends, that's a different different game altogether. Um, what's Edwards Hilaire's status as, as we speak? TBD. TBD. Um, if he's out, favorite, uh, you know, look toward Buffalo if he's out. Okay. You know, that favors Buffalo. I, I don't think Daryl Williams can, can carry the load for the whole game. And, and you know, Edwards Hilaire is a, is a factor in the passing game as well. So if he's out, that's a, a big edge toward Buffalo. On um, As I said, Kansas City's defense has improved markedly. Uh, they brought, uh, you know, Clark is back and, and, and playing well. Um, they've become uh, much more solid against the run because Chris Jones has moved inside. And so uh, this defense has improved markedly. They like to blitz. Spags is a blitzer. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do to contain, um, contain Josh because, uh, you know, he makes a lot of his money on boots, waggles, and scrambles. Um, and so, you know, do they have enough athletic ability to stop him? And, and the way to do that is for Chris Jones to have a big night and, and Frank Clark to have a big night. If they do, they'll make it hard on Buffalo. I think Buffalo will have some difficulty running. I really do. Nick Bolton's turned out to be a, a really good run stopper. For, for, for not having a first-round draft pick, the Chiefs had a hell of a draft last year. They did a good job. They really did a good job. Getting Creed Humphrey, getting Bolton. Yep. It's a yep. pretty good draft. Yep. Yes, they did. And I would say that Humphrey and Trey Smith inside are probably that, – that's, that's a real – that's a mismatch for them against Buffalo's inside people because Oliver's small and quick. You know, and but Humphrey seems to match up, and 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 you know Smith is a giant of a man, so I mean, it's harder for the smaller guys to to get through there. Who plays very aggressively? Yeah, on the outside, that's that's where the problem lies. Secondary is fine, uh, and, and you got to always keep an eye out for the honey badger. Because he's a lot like Ed Reed. He shows up where you least expect. Right. You know, you say to yourself, wait a minute, what's he doing there? They're playing <laughs> cover six. He doesn't belong there. Yeah. He doesn't belong in the weak side flat. He belongs over on the strong side. And so he, he's a hunch player and, and, and he's and he's right far more often than he's wrong. So they have to scheme to keep him busy. Number one, and number two, Josh has to be really aware of where he is, and 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 not throw the ball to him. The one thing you cannot do against Kansas City, just the same as you cannot do it against the Patriots when when they had Tom, was give him gifts. You give him gifts, bye bye baby. Now, remember, three year, only three years ago, in the championship game. Uh, the Chiefs took a baseball bat to the Patriots for three quarters and 14 and a half minutes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did, they, they, that was a TKO. The referee didn't stop it, you know, but it was a TKO. And now the defensive end lines up in the neutral zone and negates an interception. Um, that that uh, by Sorensen, that ended the game. It ended the game. Boom! Kansas City's on the way to the Super Bowl, and uh, and and the penalty is called. Whether it should have been called or not is debatable. But the, hey, the guy was in the neutral zone. He was. It's, it's kind of a it's kind of a chintzy call at that part at that point in the game, particularly with the way the tack, New England's tackles backed off. But it was called nonetheless. He didn't belong in there. And, uh, and, and so now Tom got a gift, a reprieve, end of story. 
Philadelphia doesn't win a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz is still in Philadelphia. The the universe as we know it changes dramatically. The universe changed in the winking of an eye. Right. When the position of a helmet. Yeah. 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 So you got to avoid those mistakes, number one. And number two, in Buffalo's case, they cannot give uh, the big man any gifts at all. You cannot, you cannot give Patrick any gifts at all. You give him gifts See in him. a kicking game, in any way, shape, or form, he's going to catch him in. So you have to play. Buffalo has to play clean offensively keep the turnovers to a minimum and defensively they have to contain Tyreek and Kelsey. If they can do that, they got a chance to win. It's going to be a heavyweight fight. This is a close game. I'd be surprised if this one doesn't go down right down to the wire. Yeah. This, this has heavyweight fight written all over. I was going to say, this is Rocky versus Creed one. Everybody's bloody and gone. Uh, and, and. Well, what's interesting is Vegas sort of likes the Bills in this. I mean, they're they're one and a half point underdogs going into Kansas City, so technically, you know, they're getting the three points in Kansas City. It's, that's Buffalo's kind of the favorite. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I'd bet that, but one and a half is, is is enough to. I mean, that tells you what the what the game really is. It's it's just it's going to be right down to the wire, and it, it's a question of who makes. Who makes the fewer mistakes? It's a good meal progression this weekend. I feel like if the NFL was a chef, they've prepared a, a very, <laughs> very strong meal progression through the weekend. You like the amuse bouche. Yes, and then we're we're going for something. We're going for tomahawks at the end. <laughs> well, last week they had some some dishes on the as the entree. <laughs> that, that really wasn't that it wasn't terrific you know? it, it, yeah there were a few people sending it back to the kitchen because <laughs> <laughs> even the dallas game wasn't that much fun till the end uh, no it wasn't no i mean no, it surely wasn't but dallas showed you that they had enough firepower to come back at the end you know they woke up and said "Woo, wait a minute we can win this game and 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 then all of a sudden you know for want of a nail, the kingdom was lost. Right. Whoa, we can win this game. Whoa, we can lose this game. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's figure it out. It was two teams battling. And then can you imagine the narrative? If San Francisco had lost that game and now Kyle Shanahan has sort of been the administrator for two out of the three biggest playoff uh, collapses in NFL history. Well, I, I hadn't even thought of that, but the, but the, the, the bottom line is that they, the 49ers played more than well enough to win and and the Cowboys didn't give themselves a chance to win which is in a playoff game you know you can't there's something called critical efficiency and we've talked about it before but it bears it bears repeating here in any football game there are six or seven plays that decide the game in playoff games as you come down to the wire the 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 the, the cowboy uh, you know, failure to spike the ball situation being the most obvious, the biggest teaching tape ever. You have to be, in those moments, you have to be critically efficient. It's not good enough to be just good. You're going to have moments in playoff games and Super Bowls where you have to be critically efficient. You must make the play. And on every team, on every playoff team, there are probably at least a half dozen players who will always do that. The rest are up for grabs. Right. Yeah. So it's up to the other people to be critically efficient. It's up to the coaches to teach them to be critically efficient. You do that in, in practice every day in situational football. And 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 then when the lights go on in the playoffs. You must be critically efficient. You don't have a choice. So it's it's the the role players, if you will, if their number is called in critically efficient situ situations where it re requires critical efficiency, catching the ball when you're wide open in the end zone, making a play on the ball like uh, Jordan Poyer did, or Micah Hyde did, excuse me, uh, that's critical efficiency. Lining up, lining up on side. Lining up on side, not having 14 penalties. Yeah, that's exactly right. So 
it's those little things that come to the fore in the playoffs much, much more than they did during the regular season. Because now, of course, in this round of the playoffs, the competition is pretty close. Right. And there's no tomorrow. So, and, and then there is no tomorrow. Right. You can't make up for it. So, uh, but, but we'll find out, you know, critical efficiency is going to come to the fore. That's the bottom line. And, and the teams that are most critically efficient are the ones that are, that are, that are going to win. And there's no more than, no more than 10 plays. And that's a lot in a given game where that's required. It's so true. Cause at this point, these are good teams. You don't get this far if you're not a good team. So that's what it comes down to. It could be an unpleasant fall for Mike McCarthy if Dan Quinn leave, Kellen Moore leaves, and they have a slow start. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. You know, you, you got eight coaching openings. So when you start to figure out who, you know, who, who's going where and, and, and who are the guys that, that are likely to get jobs, uh, it, gets, it starts to get interesting. Could be an interesting fall. See what happens when the music stops. Yeah, and for those of you, for those of you who are fans of the football team, uh, you're—I don't know whether you're hoping that Jimmy plays well or doesn't play well. <laughs> I, there have been so many articles this week about uh, hoping he does play well because uh, the Washington media already is going nuts about the turnovers and he's not even here yet. So we, we, we have another sort of Billy versus Sonny, another nightmare scenario on our hands for a quarterback who's not even part of the team yet. So who, who knows? And may not be. Yeah, no, but you kind of, I mean, they, they'll have options. We'll see. What, I mean, the fun part for us is, you know, Dallas could be a, in complete disarray by October next year if certain things break uh, the way they, they could. If both coordinators leave, he's there by himself, they're going to have a really tough start to the season schedule-wise. It's going to be interesting what happens in that division. Well, Philadelphia will be in flux too. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I think Hurt, I mean, this is a this is a topic for another day, but they've got to be in the quarterback market too. Oh, absolutely. That's why they that's – why stockpiled all those draft choices yeah we're we're in coaching musical chairs right now nfc east quarterback musical chair starts in t-minus <laughs> about three weeks and there's three seats to fill that's right <laughs> so my my nightmare scenario is uh Brian Flores ends up in New York with any number of Russell Wilson or magical quarterbacks playing for the Giants that is my that is my operating nightmare as, as we speak we will stay tuned, as they say. <laughs> we will see what happens. It's a good segue for next week. All right. Yeah, there well, you go. Obviously, if you got anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter at IF Bill Polian. Uh, big show this week. Got a fun one next week as we get into the championship round. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you guys. Take care. Stay well, everybody. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Enjoy the game. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.